0: Thank you, Angela. Melissa, appreciate that much. Appreciate all the music today. Been tremendous, been encouraging. And your singing's been fantastic too. First John chapter number three. If you join me there, first John chapter number three, as we continue in and finish up our study on diagnosing spiritual delinquency, and really a challenge for us in our relationship with God, personal relationship. And so I trust that it will be a challenge to us. And we'll dive a little bit into the remedy tonight as we've exposed some things last week. The Lord spoke to our hearts and Uh, opened our eyes to see some things, encouraged us about some things, and uh, just for sake of uh, kind of getting back on that page spiritually, kind of getting our, our minds and our hearts focused and thinking in terms uh, of the message, let's uh, just talk a little bit about what we saw last week. First of all, we, we defined what a delinquency is, being a delinquent, spiritually speaking, as someone who bela- behaves in a way that is illegal or not acceptable. And spiritually speaking, it's a child of God that is not living or acting in one way or another like he or she belongs to the family of God. So the delinquency is, is there. Um, in fact, we may p- picture it this way. Maybe you get a letter in the mail, and uh, it, it talks about your account being delinquent. And uh, uh, you, so, you boy, you want to know what's going on? You want to dig into it? Why? Did a, did, a, did a check not make it? Did something happen? Did something get charged you didn't know about? So uh, if it's delinquent, something's missing. Something's not there. And so spiritually, sometimes in our lives, maybe in the lives of people around us, we see them. When we look at them, and and they are delinquent spiritually. And so we want to understand what that means, how to um, diagnose it, how to remedy it. We notice this statement in this simple truth. First Peter 3.18 talks about Christ bringing us to Christ. And we talked about the idea of being introduced to God by Jesus Christ. What is an introduction? Well, it's a beginning of a relationship. Every time you are introduced to a person, it begins a relationship. Some grow, some ex- explode, some expound in which you grow in great depths of a relationship with that person some they just stay acquaintances some that relationship is just somebody you see every five to ten years uh different relationship but when you were introduced to a person you began a relationship with them and so for us as believers through christ when we came to know god we began a relationship and everything that is christianity doesn't revolve around religion it revolves around a relationship that I have with God in heaven through Jesus Christ. And that is the key to this. Because when I'm a delinquent spiritually, then something is wrong with my relationship. Something is not the way it ought to be. Something is not uh, thriving. Whether it's not deep, it's not blossoming, it's not growing, whatever the case may be. And so what we saw, that this is the beginning of a relationship, and we looked at this diagnosis. First of all, if I don't have a relationship, obviously uh, the the place to start is by being saved coming through Jesus Christ to know God. We also said this, if I am saved and I am delinquent, then something is wrong with that relationship. It needs to be fixed in some way. So that's the beginning relationship. Then we saw this simple uh, description, the budding relationship. God desires depth in our relationships um, with Him, each one of us. We looked at several verses from here in 1 John, talking about abiding in Him, knowing Him, fellowshipping in Him. Um, Chapter 3, verse 6, since we're there, we can look at Chapter 3 and verse 6 Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not, whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither know him or known him. So all those are speaking of relationship, Uh, the idea of it's being started, now we want depth, we want our relationship with him to grow. Um, We notice this, John chapter uh, 14, verse 15, we know the verse well, if you love me, keep my commandments. It's actually on the side of the walls here, if if you love me, keep my commandments, all right? Uh, What's that speaking of? Well, obedience is the revelation of the depth of the relation. And we we illustrated that. We don't want to waste our time or use up more time, I should say. It's not wasting, but use up time that we need for other things. So uh, we we expounded upon that last Sunday night and and saw how this is a true statement. Obedience is the revelation of the depth of my relation. Then we also took that a step farther and we understood this. One's depth of relationship determines one's depth of despair when the relationship's not going well. It's a great statement. It's great truth, too. not only applies to your relationship with God, but it applies to your marriage relationship. It applies to friendships. It, it applies to every other relationship that you can imagine or have. The reality is the depth of relationship determines one's depth of despair when it is not going well. We came to this diagnosis. It's a long one, but it's important. If I falter and fail either in sinning against Him or in obeying my Lord and what He's instructed in His Word, and when I do fail... If I have little remorse, my heart is not moved too much, and I can easily ignore the growing conviction instead of breaking under that conviction, its presence in my life, then I must conclude that my relationship with God is stagnant, is of little depth, and is in need of help and fixing. Great statement, great truth too. So I understand that, wait a second, if I have sin and it interrupts my relationship and it really doesn't bother me, then it tells me my relationship with God is stagnant. It's not healthy. There's not much depth to it. It is not a blossoming relationship with God. And John speaks to this often in this passage here. Notice too, we looked at 1 John chapter three and I think this is a crucial verse, verse 10. In this, The children of God are manifest. They're revealed. They're exposed. They're identified. In this, the children of God are manifest. And the children of the devil likewise. Whosoever doeth not righteousness... Is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. And so, what we concluded about the children of God, believers who have a relationship with God, is this truth. Their lives will be marked by righteousness with the occasional interruption of sin. Their lives are not marked by sin, their, their lives are not consistently in sin. No, they're going to be marked by righteousness, but since they're not perfect and they're fighting the old nature, there's going to be occasions of sin. But often we allow ourselves to think the Christian life can be full of sin and interrupted by holiness. (laughs) That's not God's plan. That's not what he designed. That's not what a deep relationship produces. It produces a life that is marked by righteousness with the occasional interruption of sin. And when that sin does happen, the believer is torn up over it. He can't wait to get it fixed. It drops uh, drops him to his knees immediately to rectify it and remedy it. And what a great truth we've already seen. Here is the problem. We're diagnosing it. Okay, I haven't had great devotions. I haven't been getting much out of uh, the preaching or the teaching of God's word. My prayer life has been somewhat anemic and unhealthy, and it just hasn't been going well. What's the issue? We've got to boil it down and come back to, okay, my relationship. Do I have a relationship? And if I do have a relationship, why isn't it growing? Why isn't it blossoming, as we'll see in a second here? Here's the, the good point. If there's something wrong with the relationship, um, and we long then for a remedy, we want it fixed then it points, obviously, to my end, uh, that there ought to be something fixable. You know, one of the worst diagnoses, since we're talking about the diagnosis of delinquency, spiritual delinquency, you know, one of the worst diagnoses in in, uh, our earthly lives in a physical realm is this. When a doctor comes into your office and says, listen, or you go and hit doctor's office, he comes in to see you and he says this, there's nothing more we can do. We've done all we can and there's nothing else that we can do. There's nothing else that we can attempt. There's nothing else that will work. We've tried all we can. That's one of the worst diagnoses that you could have concerning a health issue, a problem, or whatever the case may be. But can I tell you tonight, I sure am thankful that when we have spiritual issues, the diagnosis is that it can be fixed. That God says, okay, we can get on this. You can address your relationship issues. People will sometimes talk when they're facing in a marriage, divorce, or there's a relational problem. Maybe within a family, they'll come and say, "I, "I, I don't think we can fix it. I don't think there's any fixing it. Can I tell you, my friend, as long as you're a believer and as long as you have life here on earth, there's the hope of fixing it. There's the potential of restoring the relationship to a blossoming relationship, a relationship in which God gets the glory, and you thoroughly enjoy your relationship with God. It's a sad state of affairs when people here on earth might say about a marriage relationship, well, I I just don't enjoy it. I don't gain much joy from it. But, you know, it is what it is. We're married and so forth. That's a sad statement about your marriage. Can I tell you also, it's even worse when a Christian says, well, yeah, I'm a Christian, but they show no signs of gaining great joy from their relationship with God. You ought to derive on a daily basis great joy from the simple fact of knowing God, knowing Him deeply, and seeing it blossom in your life, Christian. That's his plan. And tonight, if you're not there, I want to share a few things with you, how you can ensure that your relationship is a blossoming relationship. And hence, here we are. That's our next statement. A, uh, from That's not it. Okay, here it is. A blossoming relationship. So we go from a beginning relationship to a budding relationship to a blossoming relationship. Notice it, if you will, with me. Deepening our relationship, letting it blossom into great things in our life with God is the daily goal of every Christian for the rest of his or her life. But here's the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is to have a relationship even here on earth in which you are inseparable from the Heavenly Father. You know, you describe people, oh, well, they're just in love. You know, they've been married for 63 years, and boy, they're just in love. They're inseparable. They go everywhere together. You can't separate them. You know what it ought to be? That you as a Christian, you have an inseparable relationship with God. You go together like peanut butter and jelly, like Funyuns and Dr. Pepper. You and God are always seen together. When they think of you, they think of God. When they think of Christian, when they, a Christian, when they think of someone who follows God, when they think of God himself, of your neighbors, those people around you, ought to think of you because you're a follower of God. Someone gave a testimony in our Sunday school this morning. reality was someone, a friend, an acquaintance had called them and simply made the statement, I know a lot of religious people, uh, a lot of people who feign to know God are, are religious, but you're the only one that practices it. Now, I'll tell you, my friend, that ought to be said about all of us. That I know God, and I show it, and it comes out in my living day by day. That I am inseparable from God. When someone thinks of God, they think of me. When they think of me, they think of God. There ought to be such a union that to think of one without the other is difficult. So how do you gain such depth? How does a relationship with God blossom into this kind of relationship? How do you become closer? Well, very much the same way as you would a human relationship. You spend time with that person. You open your heart. You listen to their heart to know it, to understand. You do what they like and desire. You fulfill their wishes. You draw closer to them by every means possible within your ability. Now, notice this. But here's where delinquency shows itself. One of the most telling signs in the life of the delinquent believer is their non-existent or non-productive time in God's Word. So when they open God's Word and where they have a private time with God, it is very unfruitful, it is a very unproductive. It's a revealing gauge or thermometer in our lives to the, uh, of the depth of one's relationship with God. You couple that with unfruitful times under the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. And it shows a relationship that either needs to start to grow or into bud or to move to the next level, eventually coming to blossoming. And I'll tell you, there's three things we want to consider tonight. When it comes to deepening our relationship so that it blossoms. When we say blossom, when we say it begins, it buds, it starts to grow. But isn't it beautiful? When I, It's always a good sign of spring, isn't it? We have some apple trees. And the sign when the buds start appearing, you know, oh, fantastic. There may be a summer in Michigan, praise God. <laughs> That's a good thing, right? It's come, and, and so it buds, and then what happens? Well, right now, boy, the blossoms are coming out, and boy, it's beautiful. The tree is gorgeous. And you hope you get fruit after that, amen? And, uh, but they're blossoming. That's what we want in the Christian life. That's what God desires. It starts, it buds. You're growing little by little, and then praise be to God, your relationship with Him blossoms. Can I ask you tonight? Would you describe your relationship with God as a blossoming relationship? Or is it still budding? Or is it just getting started? You haven't grown it much. You may have been saved two years, five years, 20 years, 25 years. But reality is not growing much. Well, here's the answer. Here's some things that we can do. It really comes down to three things that we're going to look at tonight. What we need to consider about deepening our relationship with God. The first is content, then comes counsel, and then comes commitment. We'll look at each one of them in terms uh in turn, excuse me. Here's the good news. It can be easily fixed and addressed. Uh, it can make a way for our relationship problems to be quickly remedied. The first one as we mentioned is this, the content of the relationship We're using the word content to identify what is the relationship made up of. In other words, what does it consist of? In a human relationship, we might articulate the question this way. What is it that you talk about? What is it that comes uh, between two people that they discuss and converse about that builds up their relationship? Well, again, the easiest answer is that they have things in common. They have likes and dislikes. They share. They, they learn about each other. They talk of each other and learning about them. They share interests and passions and in burdens one with another. So here's my question, Christian. What, what do you do in the designated times that you have for meeting with God? Literally times of relationship building. Now, I want you to get this. In our circles, we have a whole bunch of names for what we mean meeting with God. We can have devotions. We can have God and I time. We can have a Bible study time. We can have church service. We can have sermons. We can have all kinds of time. But I want us to boil it down to what are these occasions. Every single one of them, whether it's in the privacy of your home or whether it's in this building as we have gathered together, I want you to see that it is a relationship building time. That every time we gather around God's Word, whether it be individually or corporately as a church, the idea is that we're building our relationship with God. We're growing in one way or the other, deepening it and allowing it to blossom in our lives. So, what do your daily time of reading God's Word and praying really look like? What's your Bible time made up of? Hey, what's the service tonight made up of? Is it just listening and see if there's anything good? Is it clock watching till we get out? (laughs) Is it thinking about things to come and things you want to do tonight? Is it thinking about the week? And boy, I sure hope Monday morning doesn't come too quick. What is your service all about right now? In this meeting, in this moment, that is supposed to be relationship building. What's going on in your mind and heart right now? What goes on every morning or every evening when you sit down to read God's word? What goes on? What are the thoughts that cross your mind? My friend, these are crucial questions to ask ourselves. Because you know what I find out is way too many Christians have a shallow relationship with God. It does not often go very deep. We do not see it blossom and bud to what God desires it to be. But the good news is it can. It can. We'll see lay, that laid out for us. I find, listen carefully, not to beat a dead horse, but I often find many Christian teenagers, many young adults, many older adults, they have a what I would term a junior high level kind of relationship with God. What is that? We you ever seen a junior high boy or girl like someone else? As a youth pastor, I did. And, and I remember one of them, When you, you know, they, boy, that boy, you'd hear him say something about the girl. I'm like, do you like her? As a youth pastor, they get all red and they look at you and put their head down like, yeah. This is what I say. Have you talked with her? No. <laughs> she know you like? No. Do you ever talk about anything? No. As a parent? Yes. <laughs> That's the kind of relationship we want. Amen. And uh, not to have anything in junior high, we don't believe in that. But the reality is this, at junior high, I like her, but they don't know anything about her. <laughs> they never sit and talk with her. They don't know what she likes, what she dislikes. They, they might know where she sits in the class. They might know where wh- wh- what they do here. But it's very surfacey. It's not deep at all. Can I tell you, I think some Christians have that kind of relationship with God. It, it's on that level. Oh, you may like God. <laughs> you may be saved. My friend, it doesn't go much deeper. You may be able to say a few things you picked up over the years of what God likes. That's only because it's in your head. My, my friend, it doesn't reach the heart. We want to want to know God, know him deeply, know him to such a deep level that he is indeed my friend. He is my all in all. I cannot go a day without him, and he and my relationship with him blossoms in my life. That's what God wants. That's what God desires in each one of our hearts and our lives you honestly struggle, listen, with the content of your relationship. That is this, your Bible reading is truly unproductive. Here's a good test. What'd you read yesterday? What'd you gain from it? What changed today because of the Bible that you read yesterday? In your thinking and in your doing. We often always focus on the doing. Yes, it ought to have an impact, but I'll tell you, my friend, much of studying God's Word is to learn intellectually and then heart-wise of who God is. Grow in knowledge of Him. Because, boy, when we grow in knowledge of God, it will permeate our living, it will permeate our lives and come out in our doing and reflect Him. Even as that 1 John 3.10 says. So the desire here is for a Bible reading to be productive. But if it's unproductive, if your prayer time seems one-sided, your times of meeting with God in church, it feels dead. It feels unfulfilling. It feels, may I dare say, boring at times. May I suggest that you reboot your time with Him by focusing on what we would call relationship building times. So when I walk in here to Fostoria Baptist Church for a service on Sunday morning, Sunday night, when I walk into Sunday school class, when I walk Wednesday night, I come in ready for relationship building time with my God. I go into my private time of opening God's Word and praying, and I take care that I am going to do everything possible to make this a relationship building time. How do you do that? Well, I'd encourage you. you remember this acronym. It is the acronym simple for PRAY. If you'll remember to PRAY, Not just the action of praying to God, but this acronym, I'll tell you, it will impact your time with God and it will deepen your relationship with Him. The first letter, P, obviously stands for this prepare. How do I prepare for my time with God? I prepare through prayer. I prepare through prayer. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Can I tell you, praying has a wonderful ability and a means, is a means of focusing one's mind and heart on the task at hand. Being ADHD, being the guy who goes squirrel all the time, I I am the guy who needs prayer to settle my mind and heart. To get me focused here on God. What is the task at hand when I open my Bible? It isn't just to read my Bible. It is to learn about my God. That's what I need to focus in. So prayer gets my heart and my mind down to the task at hand. You know what also I like to do and we ought to do as believers? We ought to pray for wisdom. We need wisdom when we read God's Word. To understand it, to to allow it to to, to saturate our hearts and minds. You know what else we need? I, I love to pray this. Father, give me revelation of what is in my life and what it is that you want to show me during this time. Do you pray that tonight? When you were coming and driving to church, did you pray that? During the offering time, you say, okay, Lord, we're about to study your word, and we're about to hear a message that you've given Pastor Henry. And, and uh, But I, I want something tonight. I want you to reveal something to me about my life and about what you want me to do and what it is about you you want me to learn. Did you pray that way? Can I tell you, my friend, I find that when I do pray that, God answers. And sometimes when I don't pray that, I'm not ready to receive what he has for me. So you prepare with prayer. You know what a good one is? I, phew, this is a good one for me. You know what prayer also, how you prepare with prayer? You give your distractions in your weighty burdens to God. You start by saying, Father, you know this is on my heart. You know this is on my mind, and I, I, I can't seem to get it out of my mind. I'll tell you, if you have something on your mind, It'll take away from your relationship building time. Let me give you an example. You know what that, that's like? That's like, husband, you trying to build your relationship with your wife when you're sitting there watching television. Give that a whirl. See how that works. That doesn't work. Okay, so don't give it a whirl. Just take my word for it. It doesn't work. You're distracted. Can I tell you, sometimes you and I go through a church service and all we're thinking about is something tomorrow, something tonight that's on this heart. Is it a real burden? Yes. But praise be to God. He said, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. And he says, I have something more important for you to think about than your burdens, your worries, your bills, your health, everything else. Well, This is a big deal, what we're going through, what we're facing. Praise God, it is a big deal, but you have a bigger God. And you're supposed to hand it over to him in prayer. And then you and I are supposed to get down to business when we gather here, when we open God's word so that he can grow us and deepen our relationship with him. And we can have a blossoming relationship with God. And that's his goal. That's his desire. So start with prayer. Prepare with prayer. Letter R. You see it there. This is so crucial too, I believe. Review. Review the revealed. Review. Review the revealed. What do you mean by that, Pastor Henry? Well, reveal, or excuse me, review what God has revealed to you yesterday. I would encourage you in your private time of devotions, take notes, underline a verse, write something down, do something on our electronics now. You can even highlight Bible verses on an iPad or something like that. We're walking in tall cotton, amen? Things are good. So there is some way for you to record, God spoke to my heart right here, Uh, journaling, whatever it is, uh, write it in your Bible, review what God revealed to you yesterday. Review what He's taught you the last few days. Review what He taught you last week. Hey, review what He taught you the last service together as a church. That's why it's good to take notes. Or write just a few simple thoughts in your Bible that you can stick with you, that you can meditate on and think about. Oh, yeah, God, you spoke to my heart about that. A decision made. Oh, yeah, let's review that. I made that decision on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Oh, yeah, my devotions. Holy Spirit, you told me about that. Review what God has already revealed to you. Review it. I've said it many times before, and I sometimes get in trouble for repeating things. But the reality is this repetition aids learning so when we repeat and we review things it helps us many of our children right now they're in the days of review that means tests are coming right school is drawing to a close and finals are coming what is that What, what happens well they're reviewing they're reviewing whole two semesters some of them for one test aren't you thankful adults those days are over amen so But they're reviewing those things. Why? Because they need to review what they've learned. Can I tell you, in your time with God to build your relationship, it's a good thing to review what He's already revealed to you. What He's been teaching you. What He's allowed you to to see. Review the good things He's done for you in that day, that week. The blessings that you have seen. His love expressed to you. Now this is crucial. You might want to write this down. Number three, you can imagine what A stands for. A stands for ask ask what? Ask to gain answers. Ask to gain answers. So as I come into a service, the preaching of the Word of God, I've opened my Bible, I pray, I prepare with prayer, I review, I review what God has already revealed to me. I like offertory times because sometimes that's a great time to reveal what God has already spoken to me about. He's already spoken in my heart, and it's a good thing in a church service to, to worship Him in that way. Then we come to number three, okay, and, and we ask ourselves certain questions as we begin reading God's Word, as we sit under the preaching of God's Word, we ask throughout our time in God's Word, we ask these questions. Let me just give you a sample, you can come up with many others, but I think these are somewhat encompassing. Number one, what does this passage teach me about my God? What does it reveal about my God? His character, his loves, his desires, his likes, his dislikes, the things he hates, uh, his thoughts, who God is. What does this passage reveal to me? What does it tell me about my God? Why is that important? Because we're building a relationship with who? God. So my time with him is going to revolve around getting to know him. Getting to know him. So I'm going to ask this question. What is this passage teaching me about God? Then number two, we take the next step. What does this passage teach me about how I relate to my God? Oh, now it brings it into the relationship realm. Now it says, okay, I'm learning about my God. Now this is the relationship building material. How my relationship with him looks. How does the Bible describe it? What does it say is in that relationship? How do I interact with my God? How do I connect with him? Where are the parameters and the levels in which me and my God connect? And our relationship shows itself. And then last but not least, here's really where that relationship blossoms. This is this last question. What does this passage teach me about living for my God? As I go from here, what is it teaching me about how I live for my God? In other words, if I have a relationship with God, this is how my life ought to look. What does the passage tell me tells me or tell me that that looks like? I know God, I have a relationship with him, and what does that passage tell me that a deep relationship with God looks like in day-to-day living? There's many questions you could ask in a myriad of books, preachers that'll give you different questions. But I will tell you this. If you were to take these three questions and you asked it every time you come into the service of False Story of Baptist Church, you asked it every time you open up God's word, my friend, your relationship with God would grow. It would grow. If you would ask this every time you have family devotions, every time that you say, okay, we're going to look at this passage, and that you listen to God's Word, and you study God's Word, and you say, okay, what does it teach me about my God? What does it teach me about how I relate to my God? And what does it teach me about how I live for my God? How, what my living supposed to look like? That will do a lot to grow your relationship with Him. As we ask these questions, then last but not least, the why. This is the the important aspect, isn't it? As we get to the end of our time, it's why, you can imagine, it means yield. Yield yourselves. Yield yourself. Yield to Him in thought and obedience. Yield to all that was given you by the Holy Spirit. You think on it, you meditate on it, and then you live out what God has shown you. If you do that, if we think on it, we meditate on it, then we live out. Okay, what am I taking away with me now to go and yield to the Holy Spirit on a daily basis? In the hours that follow my time here at church, in the hours and days to follow my time studying God's Word, what am I to yield to the Holy Spirit? How am I supposed to go live it out? As we do that, my friend, it allows you and I to abide in Christ, to abide with Him to dwell with him to see our relationship with him to become a blossoming relationship look at first john chapter 3 verse 24 you see it here first john chapter 3 verse 24 notice what john writes to you and i and he that keepeth his commandments so we're yielding we're doing it now we're living it out he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him and he in him what's that relationship relationship We're enjoying a blossoming relationship. And hereby we know that He abideth in us by the Spirit which He hath given us. Great truth. He's saying we know that we abide in Him. We have the Spirit. Boy, you know what part of the the idea of our time in God's Word and preaching is that literally we're giving the Spirit what He needs to work on us. We're allowing Him to go to work and to build us into what we ought to be. It's a great truth. Now listen, that's the content. So I can look at the content of my relationship, and I say, okay, is it really blossoming? Is, is the content of when I come to church, do I leave, and I, frankly, 30 minutes, an hour later, a day later, I don't remember what much of went on. Well, then can we really say we're really building the relationship? When I have my Bible time, and I, 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 there's not much that I glean, or I, I, I don't take much away from it. Can we really say that we're building a relationship? So you want to have a blossoming relationship with God, a deep one? You, you, you are concerned about the content of the relationship. What you're gaining every time you spend with Him. Number two, this is the, the counsel from the relationship. The counsel from the relationship. This is one of the most telling observations or evidences about one's relationship with God. Here's the question. Do you really request and follow counsel from God? Do you seek his counsel? Now, listen to this, very important. Understand that our relationship with God is not a peer to peer relationship, it's not one in which God and I are on equal standing or footing. Christian, do you realize tonight that God is mentoring you? He's educating you. He's growing you. He's molding you. He's instructing you. Yes, God is my very best friend, but my God is my instructor. He's my Lord. He's my master. He's my authority in the life that he gave me. So what we've got to understand is that my relationship with God is largely made up of counsel from him. He's instructing me. He's teaching me. He's imparting wisdom to me. That's the type of relationship. Like a child's relationship with their parent, they should be gleaning something. With a teacher, uh, an educator, a pastor, you're gaining such things. It is a a mentorship, a teaching and instruction relationship. You know what sometimes people do? They turn the relationship with God more so on a peer-to-peer basis. You know what that means? They can take it or leave it when it comes to God's counsel. Their own thinking is just as equal to God's counsel from His Word. Yeah, that sounds good, but I'll think on it. Instead of saying, wait a second, God in heaven is trying to impart to me counsel. Counsel. It's crucial that my relationship with him is largely made up of gaining counsel and wisdom from him. Psalm 33, 11, The counsel of the Lord standeth forever, the thoughts of the heart to all generations. Uh, Psalm 73, 24. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. Why is it important that we allow God's counsel to guide us, that it is an integral part of our relationship with him? Well, because it's the best way to get the most out of life. It's the best way to make your life, your path through this life successful, all the while growing the most important relationship here on earth that you have. He truly has all the answers to life. <laughs> He's the one that has the best path for life. Notice these verses, okay? Proverbs chapter 15, verse 22. Without counsel, purposes are disappointed. Uh, Proverbs eleven fourteen, 14. Where no counsel is, we know this, the people fall people fall. Proverbs nineteen twenty. hear counsel and receive instruction that thou mayest be wise in the latter end, thy latter end. All these are telling us, listen, can I put it this way? You know what God is? God is every believer's guidance counselor. You see, in a school, and whether it be possibly a Christian school, but especially a public school, they would have people who are designated, even full-time, guidance counselors. Now, how does a student take advantage of a guidance counselor? Well, the first thing is this. They've got to go to them, and they've got to listen to them. They've got to go sit down in their office, and they've got to talk with them. And then as they do, well, as they seek it and they solicit it there, then they must take it. They must learn of that guidance counselor. They must ask questions of that guidance counselor. They must value what that guidance counselor says. And then they operate off the wisdom that guidance counselor imparts. That guidance counselor says, yeah, you need this and this credit. You need this to graduate. And and this will set you up to go into the major that you want to follow and you want to pursue. And you want to go uh, in that vocation. Then do this and this and this. You know what that student needs to do? Okay, I'll do that. Let me let, let, let me, let me, okay, okay, let me write this down. Let me get it. Can I tell you in life, God is to be your guidance counselor. And as we study God's word each day, as we hear it preached and taught, the fact is this, we ought to be trying to glean counsel, counsel from God. Now here is where there is a great issue in many Christians' life. Because there's only one thing that is worse than not getting counsel out of your relationship with God. It's getting counsel from a totally different source when you don't get God's counsel. In other words, you turn somewhere else. I believe this leads to many delinquent Christians today. That's why our relationships with God are, are, are not very healthy. They're anemic. They're not very deep. They're not blossoming. We don't get the joy out of them that we ought to. Is because we simply don't seek God's counsel. We reject it. Or the fact is, we solicit it from somewhere else. Turn with me. It'll be the last passage we turn to. Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1. I used this passage about a week ago to challenge our secondary students here at FBA, but I want to share a thought with you. Psalm chapter number 1. So part of our relationship building with God is that you and I ought to seek counsel from Him, from His Word, instruction for life. He is our guidance counselor. But woe to the Christian whose counsel comes from someone else or somewhere else. Notice it, verse number one, familiar passage, you know it. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Hmm. Uh, the chaff, excuse me, which the wind driveth away. Listen to me. You want to know if whether or not you are listening to the counsel of God? Verse number three will tell you. If you are like a tree planted by the rivers of water, if you are prospering, if your fruit is abundant and producing, you are likely listening to the counsel of God. But my friend, if you are not like that tree, the reality is you have probably listened to counsel from somewhere else. It may be your own counsel. It may be your own thinking, your own rationale. It may be the counsel of the world, the counsel of the godly. Did you see what it wreaks in the life of a believer? And it does in a believer. First, you walk in that counsel. What does that mean? Well, the end of the counsel of the godly or the world is sorrow. It's hurt. It's disappointment. And it's often destruction. It starts with listening to the counsel of the world. Well, the world knows more than God. boy, the the world says you should pursue this, and this is more valuable than this. And we listen to that, and guess what? All of a sudden, we, we start to see ourselves walking in that counsel. We start to heed it. And boy, that's not a path you want to go down, and that's really where that counsel leads a person next. What did it say? Into the way of sinners. So now, all of a sudden, as we listen to that counsel, or after a period of time, our lives mirror the sinful lives of the ungodly. We make the same choices and decisions they make. We value the same things. We look at the world, we have a worldview that is not biblical and according to God's counsel, but all of a sudden we have a worldview that's like the world. And all of a sudden, we start valuing things the world values. And so now we're walking in the way of sinners. How did it start? I'll tell you where it started, friend. A young person, a teenager, an adult, started listening to the counsel of the world and rejected the counsel of God. That's what happens. And so it leads. We start walking in that counsel. We listen to it. And and we we allow ourselves to be saturated with it. And then, all of a sudden, we find ourselves in the way of sinners. And then what happens? Oh, my friend, many a believer... Has fallen and continued in that counsel, and that ultimate progress, that counsel causes a person to become a scorner of what is right and godly. They actually literally come to scorn the counsel of God. Now, isn't that amazing? You progress enough and you allow the world's counsel, entertainment, everything else, philosophies to permeate you. My friend, I'll tell you, you'll find yourself walking in that counsel. Then you'll wake up and see yourself in the way of sinners. And then before you know it, you will become a scorner of the very counsel of God. You allow yourselves, the very things you used to hold to, you used to say were the most important in your life, aren't that important anymore. Because you're listening to a different counsel. Your relationship with God isn't very deep. It's not blossoming. It's not going like it ought to go. All because you listen to the wrong counsel. Can I tell you? Don't tell me this evening. Don't tell me that counsel isn't powerful. Don't tell me that it isn't important that you listen to the right counsel in life. My friend, can I tell you? This is why it's a huge part of my relationship with God that I focus on getting life counseling from God. Not feigning it, faking it, not paying him lip service, but truly, I take every encounter with God, and I treat it as a counsel-reaping event. Man, I sure did go, enjoy going to church tonight. Boy, God taught me so much. And he gave me some, some good stuff that I want to take and I want to live. And I sure, did enjoy my, I, I sure did enjoy my Bible reading today he shared this with me and he opened my eyes to this and boy, there's some things that I need to change and he counseled me. My friend, there is absolutely nothing wrong but everything good when you and I get counseling from God. I'll tell you after a day in the world, is after a day here on earth, I need counseling from God. After rubbing shoulders with the unsaved and unbelievers, after being subjected to the philosophies and the thinking of this world, I need counseled by God. Don't tell me counseling is a bad thing. Counseling is a good thing when it comes from God. My friend, that's why we don't have deep relationships. That's why our relationships aren't thriving. They're not blossoming. Is because we are not seeking the counsel of God. You want to prevent delinquency in your own life spiritually? You want to recover someone else from it? Turn back to the counsel of God. Make it a focal point of your relationship with Him. Last but not least, and I'll speed through this. You see it. We had content. Um, we had counsel, and now we see the commitment of the relationship. There is much talk today about being in a committed relationship. I'm in a committed relationship. Well, if you're married, you better rate. Be. Everybody talks about that. That term's thrown around. What they mean is that they are in a relationship in which you are com- committed totally to another person solely. But you and I both know this. Today, modern day, this age, commitment is missing in many places that it's supposed to be found. There's a great famine of commitment. And this isn't a pick on any generation. It's seen across the board in many generations today. There's a lack of commitment. And sadly, it includes many people's relationship with God. Our God has become a God of convenience, a God of comfortability, a God that is a hobby. And my friend, your relationship with God was never intended to be a hobby. And yea, the reality is, it has turned into that. One's relationship with God is the, it, it has turned into a take-it-or-leave-it proposition in the hearts of some believers. There's little to none true lasting commitment on display. Can I challenge you with this? You say, Pastor Henry, I sure do want to enjoy my relationship with God. You know how you enjoy your relationship with God? Be committed to Him. Be committed to Him. That's how you build a lasting, loving, deep, blossoming relationship is you commit yourself to God. Don't, don't, don't say, I'm going to, I'm going to take God for a spin and see if it works. That's not committed. That's not leaving the price tag on a shirt. (laughs) Some of you who like to buy a shirt, wear it and take it back. Shame on you. Christianity does not work that way. Hey, my friend, you and I, if we're going to enjoy all that God has for us in relationship with Him, you need to be committed to God. Day in, day out as much as lieth within you be committed to him. Why? Here's the truth. You can write this down. A young person you're looking forward to marriage, this is a great truth about marriage. It really is. Any relationship is only going to be as strong as the strength of the commitment of those in the relationship. It's true. You take a peace agreement between nations. It's only going to be as strong as the commitment to it of those nations. And so it is in a relationship with you that you and I have, whether in marriage, whether it be to God and our relationship with Him, it will only be as strong as our commitment. Now let me ask you this. How committed is God to you? Could we say 100% committed? So where is the fault going to lie? How committed are you? How committed am I? Because this is why we don't have deep relationships. This is why they don't blossom the way they ought to. Because our commitment will sometimes waver. We can never doubt the strength of God's commitment. In fact, can I tell you this? John here, um, I told you we're going to turn to one last passage. That meant you were supposed to keep your finger in First John 3. So quickly, turn back there, okay? So don't blame me if you didn't keep your finger there like I didn't either, okay? First John, notice chapter 3. See, John gives us one last teaching about this relationship, and we're done. Um, <laughs> last instruction about our relationship with God. He wants us to commit to grow our relationship, to spend time with God, to allow that relationship to blossom and bloom. Why? Because we're committed to Him, but we're also committed, notice this, to not being ashamed when we see Him face to face. 1 John chapter 2, notice verse 28, and I love this. He's speaking to us as the children of God. And now, little children, abide in Him. Spend every moment you can building your relationship. Use the times given to you. Abide in Him, that when He... He shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Isn't that a great statement? I, I want to abide. I want my relationship to be all that it should be here on earth so that when I see my Savior face to face, I can have confidence and I will not be ashamed. And what a great truth. Amen? That's commitment. I'm committed to being that type of Christian, that when my God shows up, (laughs) I'm ready to see Him face to face. I've got confidence that we have a deep, thriving, blossoming, blooming relationship. As we've already seen, it doesn't mean that it's sin-free, but it means that whenever there is sin, I take care of it quickly. There's nothing between my Savior and I. Nothing between us. Not at all. Now, I want you to see this. When he says that you're committed to not being ashamed, being confident in his appearing, it means that you and I are committed to living like someone who knows him. Now get this. It means that we are living like someone who is in a committed relationship. That's the buzzword today. I'm in a committed relationship. Well, live like it. And that's what John says. Look at the next verse. He says, 1 John chapter 2, verse 29, If ye know that He is righteous, and we would all have to agree tonight, we know that God is righteous, ye you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of Him. You want to show the world that you're in a committed relationship, and I'm not talking about the power of the ring and marriage and everything else. What I am talking about is this. You want to show you're in a committed relationship with Jesus Christ, that you know God in heaven. My friend, there's one way to show it. Live righteously like he is. Be committed to living like someone who's a part of the family. Live like a, live like a child of God. That's what it boils down to. How do I do that? It comes from the content of my relationship. It comes uh, from the counsel of God that I adhere to and I listen to and I heed. And then it comes from my commitment to God. So, Christian, how is it for you tonight? Do you have a relationship with God first and foremost? Is it budding? Is it deep? Are you growing it? Are you doing the things necessary to build it and grow it? Are you daily working at seeing it blossom and abiding in him through these ways we talked about tonight? Do you seize every opportunity to build that relationship? And then I simply ask you this, and we're done. Does my relationship with him, does it have good content? Is it counsel focused? And am I truly committed? How is it for you tonight, Christian? I know that every relationship represented in every pew here tonight, that God wants a deep, thriving, blossoming relationship. May God add his blessing to his word. Father, we thank you so very much for these truths and Lord, these challenges for our relationship with you. And Father, we readily admit there is not one of us that is all that we ought to be. But Father, we understand that we have a relationship to build. We have some work to do. We have some ways in which we can enhance it and build up and grow. And Lord, just make this relationship all that you desire it to be. So Father, in this moment, I pray as we enter into our invitation. Father, I pray that you'd work in every heart. You'd reveal some things that are not going well, some relationship attacking the symptoms and actions on our part, attitudes, whatever the case may be, and may you help us to grow our relationship with you tonight. May there not be one Christian here tonight, one believer, that doesn't start by asking you, what does heaven think about my relationship? Father, I pray that we would take some moments now to consider what our relationship with you is truly like. May we identify your Holy Spirit reveals some ways in which it can be deepened. Ways in which we can have better content. And Father, ways in which we need to listen and follow your counsel. And Lord, I pray if there's some Christians here who need to recommit themselves to their relationship with you, may they do it tonight. May you be number one. May you be central in their lives. And then, Father, I pray as we do these things that we would g- gain great joy every day from knowing you, knowing you deeply, knowing you closely, walking with you in such a way that we are truly inseparable. Bless now. Help us to be all that we ought to be. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I'll ask you to join me in standing. all will and ask the piano to begin playing. I'll stop talking.